it's kind of like everything that I've done that comes from a place of joy. And I know I'm kind of getting esoteric here, but when it's fun and I don't attach a definitive outcome, it makes me the most money and feels like the least amount of work. Hey, Feaster. Welcome to episode 10 of season eight of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, aka Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life that they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. If this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button so that you get notified every time a new episode drops. Live in the Feast is in your podcast app of choice. If you've heard the show before, why not leave a review on Apple Podcasts or drop us a comment in Breaker or CastBox. I am super excited to bring on today as co-host Kim Doyle. Kim, formerly known as the WordPress chick, quote unquote, is an entrepreneur, coach, speaker, podcaster and content strategist. She is the co-founder of the Content Creators Planner and has built her lifestyle business using WordPress, podcasting, creating amazing content and a commitment to just show up. Kim and I have known each other for quite a number of years, starting in the WordPress space. And one of the things that I can appreciate and respect Kim so much for is her candor and willingness to share her journey. Widowed in 2003 with two small children, she was determined to build a business that allowed her to be at home while doing something she loved. Fast forward to today, she runs the community Content Creators, teaches content marketing, and coaches entrepreneurs on growth through content strategy. In this episode, we dive into being clear on what you want to do and what lights you up and just start doing that work. We also talk about how Kim tested her idea that became the physical planner called the content creators planner. And we dive into challenges that she's gone through lately with growing the business through ads, content, and all these different projects all at once. So why don't I just shut up right now and let's bring in this conversation. Welcome Feasters to another episode of Live in the Feast. I am super excited to have Kim Doyle on the show. Welcome, Kim. What's up, Jason? Totally happy to be here as always. So before we dive in here, I always like to try to figure out at what point in time we connected on social. <laughs> and so Twitter advanced search is so awesome, right? And so I went and I looked. Originally. And we connected back in 2014. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Although that feels like it should be like two years ago, not six. A hundred percent. I mean, I told my wife over the weekend, I was watching a baseball game from 1994 and I was like, this still feels like yesterday to me. Although on the TV, it's the square, it's like fit in, you (laughs) know what I mean? It's just like, (laughs) it looks fuzzy. (laughs) But yeah, absolutely. So let's get in talking about you, your business, but why don't you just share a little bit of a nutshell of your career path thus far? Yeah. 
I'll do this as quick as possible. People have probably heard it and they're bored with it, but I actually spent the bulk of my adult career in retail management. Started my business in 2008. Thought I was going to be an information marketing millionaire by writing eBooks and just making tons of money, right? Because that was easy. Kind of fell in love with WordPress. Ignorance is bliss. Became a WordPress chick. Didn't know what I was doing, but I just started sharing what I was doing and figuring out along the way. Next thing you know, I'm doing websites and then I'm hiring outsourcers and then I have an outsourcing team. I started coaching. 2013, I think, is when I launched my podcast, which was so much more in line with my personality and who I am and always love creating content. Dipped my toes into an attempt at SaaS. <laughs> well, started and stopped, but it was a good learning lesson. I did podcast done for you services. I've done content marketing done for you services. And then in the fall of 2018, I had the idea for the Content Creators Planner. Partnered up with my business partner, Jody Hirsch. And that thing is kind of taken on a life of its own. It's about a year and a half old now. And so that's kind of the core. We've got classes and a couple versions of it. And then with Kim Doyle, I do coaching and have some other courses coming out there. But everything I do is around content marketing. So I think that was probably the shortest, most succinct way I've ever said that. <laughs> that's awesome. Who knows to me? Well, well, there's a recording of this, so you can grab it anytime I you will. want. I will. Yeah. So what about content marketing drew you in? Like, why was that the, I mean, obviously all of those things kind of root to that. What was it about that, that you love so much that made you want to do that? Well, you know, I think it was just in a part of who I am, to be honest with you, Jason, I don't know if you've ever gone back and looked at the stuff you enjoyed doing as a kid, but to give you an idea, like I spent hours, like I thought I was going to be a graphic designer. That was always my like path. I just didn't have the confidence. I think I'm a semi-talented artist, but it was like, I didn't want to compete. Like I felt very competitive at the time, especially considering when I would have done it, there was no technology. <laughs> so you were skilled or you weren't. No, I'm just kidding. But so, you know, it's like, I go back and like, I gave a speech at my high school graduation. I was in leadership mm-hmm. and like, I love to perform. <laughs> like I was that kid that we'd put on shows in the neighborhood and charge a quarter for it. I'm not kidding you. Like we did that stuff. But it was really, it's like, so it was kind of like this culmination of all these things that I've done. Like I owned a scrapbook store way back in 1998. So I'm a creator at heart, right? Like I would make invitations and like I had some font stickers published that I designed. And so it's like, I'm a creator. I I just am. And then the piece of content marketing that's sort of using your voice and finding your voice. Like I really wanted to be like a motivational speaker at one point. And Hmm. so it's sort of like this culmination of all of these elements that inspire me. Truly, like they light me up and they're fun to do it. And like, I I think I still have it on my YouTube channel. I did like a kind of a manifesto. It was a PowerPoint that was animated that I made a video. And it's literally, it says the first slide says, if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. And I was not having fun doing websites. Mm. And it's kind of like everything that I've done that comes from a place of joy. And I know I'm kind of getting esoteric here, but when it's fun and I don't attach a definitive outcome, it makes me the most money and feels like the least amount of work, hmm. you know? So content, I just knew that I, I wanted to step out more. I mean, people knew I was the WordPress chick. It wasn't like I was hiding behind that. But I, I just felt like I had other stuff I wanted to talk about and other things I wanted to say. And, and content marketing is this culmination because I do think anybody can do it. You just have to find the right format yeah, th- and practice. Yeah, I think that that's so key. I always say this, like I'd much rather pull up a microphone and have a conversation with somebody than write a blog post, Mm -hmm. right? Like I just find that so much easier and it's fun. Like I, like I've been podcasting since 2014, 2013. Mm -hmm. I mean, back then it was terrible. It was 
just basically Google Hangout yeah. and we just pushed live and the world just would connect at some point in time, the all 12 people, but nonetheless, right. But for me that like, that is the thing where I, I much rather just have a conversation with somebody and be a little curious and try to bring in conversation from other people, like questions and things like that, that people have asked me that, well, I, you know, I don't know the answers to all this stuff. So maybe I can talk to somebody that does. And so I think, and I know that you're a huge Gary Vee fan, right? And so like, he's all about putting out as much content as possible. Yeah. I mean, he has a team to do it, right? But like, for me, like, I don't know how anybody does it. Like, sorry to interrupt, but like the Gary Vee thing, like, hmm? I think what I like most about him is he's unapologetically himself, mm -hmm. to be honest, right? And so I dig that he's like, do the work, just do the work, right? I don't necessarily agree with more content is always better. I would rather create something really good and get as much leverage out of it as I can, right? And so he does have a team. And what's been fun, because I've been following him for a long time, is to see his growth and evolution into a kinder, gentler person. I mean, he still swears and he's in your face, but he's really kind of come around to this, look, this works for me. If it doesn't work with you, that's cool, but be okay with it. Mm -hmm. Be okay with it. Too many people complain and bitch that they're not where they want to be, but they're not willing to do the work, right. you know? And so that's where he gets all nutty on people. But it's funny, like where you were saying, like podcasting, this is more enjoyable. If I go back to early blog posts as a WordPress chick, they're heinous. I'm like, wrote that. It's like a robot, right? But I had done all these other things, like I'd gotten into high ticket masterminds and all of that stuff has value, but I so was not clear on what I wanted to do, what I wanted to sell, what I wanted to provide. And so it felt really smarmy to me, right? I think when you're in alignment with the work that you're doing, you know your value. And, you know, so, but it was probably 2016, I had stopped doing that. I was in that for a couple of years and it was great. I made a ton of amazing connections and relationships and had some great adventures. But I was like, I just want to go back and focus on fundamentals. I want to get into mastery. I want to become that person that enjoys the process of the craft more so than I produced a piece of content and it's out there, right? And, and so I swear, a lot of people don't like writing. I have kind of fallen in love with it because when I did a... I tested myself with it. I call it almost daily email. And when I was doing that, I was not attached to an outcome, Jason. I was like, I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to show myself that I can show up and do this for 30 minutes every single day. And let's see what happens with this. And I had been studying that story style email, very casual, one link. And it was crickets. And people unsubscribed for the first 30 days. And all of a sudden, things started picking up. I was getting responses and affiliate income was tripling. And I mean, it was really crazy. And so I think maybe it's just getting older <laughs> too, but like you get a little wiser, right? And it's like, where, what is the best use of my time and how can I maximize this? And now here's a great example. So with the planner, we've got another, like a member, like a continuity coming out and we mapped the whole thing out. We had multiple calls to do this and then mapping out month one, doing it, iteration, edit, iteration, edit, iteration, edit. Now I'm like, now we've got this dialed in framework that now we can start doing month two and month three, but it took that process and it was, I don't know, I'm finding so much more self-satisfaction in just getting a lot better at what I do. Yeah, no, I get that because similarly with me, like I'm traditionally a developer, lines of code, mm -hmm. matrix style stuff in the <laughs> movies, you know, all that stuff. That my brain would explode. 
But for me, I've always aligned myself with more of the business end. Like when I worked full-time, they called me as a sales engineer because I was a senior developer, but I could also speak human. And so they were bringing me into sales meetings to help translate things like, hey, can we do this from a technical perspective? And then also bring the technical perspective to the sales process. And so mm-hmm. you saw it, yeah. I blurred this line, I guess. Right. And so for me, when I started my own business, I flocked towards e-commerce. Like people were just like, I'm a developer. I don't want to deal with that. There's too much hocus pocus and getting people in there. And I don't want to deal with that. But for me, I was attracted to it. I said, Hey, if I could equate myself to the bottom line, as close to the bottom line as possible, then I become valuable if I'm good. Right. And so huge asset. Yeah. (laughs) So I've since I've morphed my business and now I'm more in the email marketing space and automation and things like that, where like, I love, like I've worked with SaaS companies or worked with enterprise companies. But for me, I love working with online businesses and creators and small businesses, yeah. you know, maybe teams of 10 or less. Right. And so I love aligning with that and I get up every day and I, yeah. I love what I do. Like I could just, I could do it. Like I could talk the same talk and approach a different business with a similar problem that I've done in the past and put a different spin on it so that it works for them. And that just gets me going. And so I get <laughs> like, to spend your time wisely with that, I'm like, yeah, I could probably write another blog post about card abandonment and whatever. But you know what? There's these other things that I could do. I could have a lead magnet or I could run a webinar or I could do something else that helps those people in a way that they could go ahead and search. And there's plenty of other people with, you know, 10,000 word (laughs) blog posts on card abandonment. And let me ask you this. I'm curious. So because you work with different businesses and whatnot, but have you found that because you understand like the fundamentals and sort of, there's this element to all the stuff that we do that's intangible, right? So you have a really solid understanding of if this, then that, like, and there are certain like psychological triggers that happen with email and there are certain ways that people respond. And because you've got that really solid fundamental grasp of this, I mean, other pieces, but specifically talking with email marketing, like you really nailed that. That's why you're so successful, right? It's like, you could probably take what you know with ConvertKit and drop it into active campaign and any other platformer, mm-hmm. but it's because I don't know. So just, I'm curious on your thoughts on that. It's like, you really have that intangible fundamental understanding of what happens to be able to deploy the work you do. Absolutely. I mean, I think for me, the tool is just that it's a tool, right? And so Mm -hmm. I, early on, it was drip for me because that's where my customers were. And that's where the API was robust enough for me to do some of the things that my customers wanted. And drip, well, that's a platform a different company. I don't control what their direction is and so on and so forth. And so, well, they went a different direction. So ConvertKit was there and ConvertKit definitely serves the type of clients that I have. And so let me just go all in on ConvertKit, right? But Mm -hmm. all of the fundamentals of 
the behaviors of human. I have a minor in psychology. Actually, I have a BS in psychology. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, boy. This is, that's a different podcast. Well, yeah, I'm like, yeah, that is a different podcast. But, yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, we're still humans. And so the understanding of how email plays into that and how sales works and how emotion drives sales and not logic and things like that, all of these things, now it's just fitting that into another tool, right? And so for me, that that's that's how I've always adapted my business is just really just understanding who I serve and what I'm doing for them. And then, well, if the tool that I use fits for them, then I'll use it, right? And so that's kind of how I've always thought about business in that way. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about the planet. Now I have four. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and so I bought one for every quarter. Right. And so I have a new website coming up and I've already started using the planner. And this thing is so detailed. That's why for me, like I love physical notebooks. I've got my bullet journal right next to me here. I do use digital tools, but I just like to see things like be able to just get away from the screen and jot things down on paper. That's how my mind works. Right. I would love to get into a little bit about how you came up with the idea. Like, a nut, like you see all these notebooks and planners and things out there, right? But like, what was it that you and Jody came up with that says, hey, look, this is what our people need? Well, you know, it's funny as you talked about the bullet journal and I don't know if you've heard, but like that was the inspiration for me for this because I mean, obviously I had a scrapbook store, right? I am like a pen and paper girl till the cows come home. And it's like, I had, so my aunt had told me about the bullet journal and I was like, oh, I haven't heard of it. So I looked at it. I bought one. Initially, I just loved the paper and I loved the dot grid as opposed to lines and mm-hmm. or uh, square grids. And so I loved that. And so I started doing his system and I was like, this is just way too like just not the way my brain works, right? Like I joke around. I'm like, I like having like gentle structure in my life. I like a regular schedule and stuff, but I need a lot of white space. And, and so I need that cushion. And I was like, I don't like this pressure of, oh my God, I have to go journal anyways. So I was like, okay, this is not working for me. But in the meantime, I had fallen back in love with pen and paper just because I had been out of my realm for a while. And so I was like, one day I might map out a funnel. The next day I'm like, what do I want my life to look like? A little more esoteric, right? But I'm just having fun, like doodling and drawing and doing all this stuff. And so then I, I start digging into this. And I'm telling, like, I just write my everything is content. I share like, oh, I'm playing with this. I'm doing this. And so I start looking into this and I realize like journaling, hashtag journaling or bullet journal, bujo, people call it. Like, it's this like underground, like it's huge. There are people with millions of subscribers on YouTube that show how to, here's my spread for July and it's all themed and doodled and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, this is really amazing. And so I just tested one night. I took my phone and I took three pictures of different stuff I was playing with and coloring. And the first one I posted as a story to Instagram. And I don't think I used any hashtags, but I just shared it. The next one I used the hashtag journaling. And then the third one I didn't. So it was like 53 views, over 500 views. 50 something views. And I was like, there's totally something to this. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of was percolating because every time I would go to plan, I just always found it easier for pen and paper. I mean, even like there's a couple webinar programs I followed, like Russell Brunson has like the perfect webinar. I followed another one that's great, awesome online webinars, David Seth McGarland. And it's like, 
they'll have slide samples. So I'll literally pull up my laptop and I'm like, slide one. And then I'm writing mine, slide one. And it just helps me remember and stuff. And so I just found, I kept going back to paper and pen to plan. And I'm like, okay, there's all these big life planners and life journals and stuff. But I'm like, why isn't there anything for content? Because it's, there's content scheduling tools. There is some brainstorming stuff. But I was like, it just felt like this hole to me. And it really solved a problem I was having. And so I just reached out to Jody because she's a designer. I'm like, do you know InDesign? <laughs> she's like, yeah, what do you need? And I said, you want to do this with me or can I hire you? She's like, I'm in. And so we just worked through it. I would draw out the pages. I'd send her photos. And we walked through the process together. Like, well, I think I would start here. I mean, it was quick. Like it was four months. We got it done. But at the same time, like we literally spent, we had this infamous six-hour Zoom call on a Saturday just doing the story brand. We were like, we are going to nail the messaging. We are going to get super, super clear. And this is kind of what I was referring to when I was talking about the fact that you understand the fundamentals and sort of psychology behind it. I think that's why a lot of things fail. People have an idea for something and then they can create a product, but it's like there wasn't a clarity of problem, solution, result. And when you take the time to do that, I just keep calling it intangible work because nobody sees it, but you have to go through it, right? Anyways, that's where, that's where it came from. I thought it would be brilliant to launch a Kickstarter at the beginning of December. It was not. <laughs> we quickly realized we were going to hit our sales. We pivoted. We pre-sold it off our website. New Year's Eve, we did $1,500 in sales. We're like, all right, we pre-funded the whole first print run. It was crazy. take pause halfway through this episode and just share that if you haven't picked up on it yet, Kim puts in the work. Her mantra of just show up is inspiring and truth. There's nothing out there that you can do, buy, or say that will turn you into an overnight success. Put you on a beach, maybe overlooking your yacht, no matter how much Instagram tells you. It just doesn't happen that way. The clarity of problem, solution, result that Kim describes is what any business has to get in order to be successful. Nick Gulick hosted a workshop called Sell by Helping. And the whole premise of this was to hold a discovery or sales call with a lead with that problem, solution, result in mind. It was to help the lead during the entire conversation get crystal clear on what their problem is, what the results are today and what they should be tomorrow, what the solution could be and what the solution actually is. And then you as the service provider to present your business to deliver that. Learning from other successful people running businesses, trying new strategies and growing together is as easy as possible for you other developers, designers, and creative professionals providing client services. It shouldn't be difficult to obtain. Welcome Feast Club, feastclub.co. Nick's workshop was the first live workshop that we held in Feast Club, and it got rave reviews from members. The feedback was phenomenal. Forget those stale articles from 2008 on the web that give you all sorts of advice on how to run your business and double your revenue. As a Feast Club member, you're going to be a part of that community of like-minded service providers building predictable income and systems to grow their business in today's market right now. And the shocking thing is it's only $5 per month. 
You're going to get support, confidence, and be challenged from everyone in Feast Club. This helps you make great strides to achieving the goals that you set out for when you started your business. This is a private community. And like I said, it's only $5 a month. There's not some big golden gate, pearly gate that you need to pay to get into. Inside, you're going to find stories, strategies, and resources for marketing, optimizing, selling, pricing, and building your services. Ultimately, it's a safe place for any designer, developer, or client service business owner to share ideas and get support. And yes, I've even seen people land a project or two. All of this for just $5 a month. So if you want to check it out and join a community that's built on the saying, a rising tide raises all boats, head on over to feastclub.co today. And I can't say it enough. It's only $5 a month. I don't know for how long though. But if you join today, you're going to lock that in for as long as you're a member. I hope to see you on the inside of the club. Now, let's get back to that conversation between Kim and myself. I'm very much the same way. Like, I always... Content for me, there's so many bits and pieces all over the place that you have to kind of keep track of. And the scheduling tools, I always wanted it to be a planner. Like I wanted to see a calendar. Yeah. Like anytime there was a scheduling tool that had a calendar, I'm like, how come I can't just draft some stuff here and move some stuff around and play with this and do that and that. And so that's why for me, paper works great because then I can Mm -hmm. just cross things, arrow things, whatever. Right. And so carried into the next month. I didn't do it this month. (laughs) Absolutely. And then it gives me this sense of like, okay, now I know what this is supposed to accomplish. And like you said, like, what's what's the goal? What's the result? What are we trying to achieve with all of this stuff? And it's just not ad hoc. It's like sometimes with the tools like Buffer and stuff, you're just like, all right, I just can feed that mm-hmm. mouth, if you will, right? Like make sure that that queue is all filled up. Yeah. Okay. Now there's just automated tweets. And so what I found, and this is going on about two and a half years ago, is what I was doing was just feeding that mouth. And I felt pushing, yeah. I felt that like my audience wasn't growing, or I wasn't really. The signal for me was that the engagement was lower, mm-hmm. and this is specifically on Twitter, and that's where most of my audience is. And I was just like, well, "What's going on here? Like, what? I don't feel." And so I never really looked at the Twitter analytics before, but when I did, it was kind of flat. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, "Hmm." I'm like, "Why is that flat? Like, I don't know what's going on here. I haven't really changed anything, but..." Well, Twitter's not going to say anything, but maybe because I was just auto-tweeting stuff and maybe once in a while engaging in a comment or two that they weren't pushing my stuff in the algorithm because it was coming from Mm -hmm. Buffer all the time or wherever it was coming from, right? And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to shut it all off and see what happens. Worst thing I could do is just go dark, right? (laughs) Like That's what what happened, Right, right? right? But once I did that, engagement started going up. And once I started just, you know, I would like little, and I have this spreadsheet still of like the numbers because I'm a data geek. And so I wanted to make sure all of these things were connecting in my head. 
And I was like, okay, so engagements are up, retweets are up, mentions are up. Yeah, tweets are down. So all the rate numbers go higher, obviously. But Mm -hmm. the numbers at which I was looking for, because that's what Twitter is for me, it's awareness tool. It's an engagement tool. It's to create conversation. I'm not selling anything. I'm not running ads or anything like that. Those numbers started to come up. There was more conversation being had. And so I was like, oh, yeah. there's something here. Right. <laughs> so so I can't just yeah. keep auto-tweeting every hour. I thought that that was what we were supposed to do. Right. And so the planner for me, especially with my new site coming, I'm really starting to have a real conscious effort to put the content out there that's methodical, that helps people, that also drives results for people as well as myself. And so the planner in and of itself, and by all means, this wasn't a sales pitch or anything like that, but but, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, it's helping me digest all of that stuff, which has always been an obstacle for me. So if you want to check that out, we'll have the links in the show notes, obviously, but I'd love to, I always like to ask everybody that comes on the show. And we'll get back into just a couple of tips and tricks. And one, first of all, I saw that epic guide that you released a couple of weeks ago. Oh, man. That was Jody. All jo- I mean, I went back and forth with her, but yeah, it was original, almost 8,500 words originally. I think it's like under six just now. I was like, okay, I just, and not for nothing, thank you for that yeah, sentence to yeah. say, don't do this in one sitting because yeah. that was not, not one of those things. But I always like to ask everyone that comes on the show, what has been your defining moment in life so far? That's a big question, Jason. Well, it's like your brain automatically goes to like major life events, right? I lost my husband and it's weird. Like almost losing my mom was more, I mean, that meanly, but my mom and we had been married nine years. I had little kids. I was working full time and all that. But there's something about losing my mom when I wasn't expecting it. Just about a year ago, that because of where I'm at in my life, I gave myself permission to check out. I literally, I couldn't function. And sorry, but it was, it was really great to see that all the work that I'd put in, it didn't hurt my business. To be honest with you, like I was super transparent about it. But the fact is like all the goodwill, because you do a lot of free stuff online, right? You're like, okay, I'm live streaming. I've got this group and I do this. And, and all you hear is be consistent, be consistent. And it's like, then you check out of life. (laughs) But it was like, at the same time, the planner wasn't even a year old yet, but we were making money off that because we took the time to do the work. So it's weird. Last year was very pivotal for me in that essence, because I've learned a level of patience with business that I didn't have before. And I'd rather take the time to do something well than just push it out there. So there's that. I think losing my mom was probably the most mm. life-changing event for me. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I last year was this, my mom had stage four cancer, unexpected, out of the blue kind of thing. And that was, I did the same thing. I like checked out mm-hmm. and I told they were clients and I was like, look, I can't even comprehend the world right now. I don't even care about marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like the last thing I'm going to do is tweet today, you know? And so, but yes, patience, just priorities, focus, like all of these sort of things. Like, you know, and I have two young boys and I was just like, all of a sudden, like, okay, they got to go to grandma's house, you know, they got to see grandma more and stuff like that. You shift priorities. And part of that I think is wisdom with age, right? But I really do think that I see so many people in this business and and I'm just talking to online business, right? I don't know what it is about this space other than that's what the gurus have said for a long time, that people don't think that there's hard work and practice and all of those things that go into this. And it's like one of my latest favorite sayings is you're not going to get better by not doing it. Like 
you just have to like, I'm not kidding you, Jason. I was not technical at all. I was like, how do you attach something to an email? Like before I started, (laughs) but I was hell bent on figuring out something to do from home. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. And I always had this drive, like there's something else I'm supposed to do with my life besides a job, but I'm not knocking people who have jobs, but I just like, honestly, I'd rather go live in a shack on a beach somewhere than go back. I will not commute and work a job. Yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) My wife says there is no way that you could ever do that. Mm -mm. You're the definition of unemployable. And to that point, I mean, that it's what I've always strived for when, even when I was a teenager, like I don't, and that's pre-internet and all the rest of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so there was no sense of in my brain of how I would ever do that, but I just knew that I was not fit for working at somebody else's desk. Totally agree. And so I needed that own space. So I would love to know, do you use the content planner for your own content yeah. for the planner? Yeah. And it's funny because we keep going back and forth like, oh my God, we need to step back and do this for ourselves. Right. And I planned it out initially. I mean, cause I did a lot of the initial like screenshots and training, whatever. So like had that done, but it's funny cause we haven't gone back in a while because so there's two of us. We have an ad agency. We have someone that helps us. Yeah, we've got a VA. But even that, like, we're probably pulling a lot of that in. I don't know if you want to get into this, but some of the challenges that we've been going through recently. So it's tricky, right? Like, and then for me, I get into, like, I don't want to cannibalize one brand for the other mm-hmm. because I write about content here. I write about content here. Who do I, whatever, you know? So we do. We absolutely do. Not enough, but it always comes back to, okay, how does this fit into this? We walk the talk for sure, but we've kind of just been busy keeping the business going, to be honest with you, which then you're like, we're selling a content planner. We need more content. It's a catch 22, you know. So you mentioned some challenges that you're having right now. What are some of those challenges? Well, so it's really interesting because we started running ads like right away. Like we were determined, we did it ourselves. We're like, all right, we're going to 10 bucks a day. We did all that. Hired our first agency in the fall, went from like 6,000 in November. 41 in December, 67,000 January, things pivoted. So it's kind of like we average between 35 and 40,000 a month in sales, but that's on a thousand dollar a day ad spend. So you go, where's the profit? (laughs) So we've been playing with stuff. So we actually, it's funny, the timing of this, Jason. So we had a call with a former mentor of mine when I was a mastermind, great sales guy. And a good friend of mine is Trey Llewellyn. He was like this e-commerce genius. And I was looking at one of the things Trey was doing, and he's really good at doing increasing the average cart value, right? So we're looking at that. And technically, it's a 90-day planner. We could just sell more planners, which we, we will do. We have a couple bumps. But we started looking at this, and Jody has really got this in my brain about what would easy look like? What would easy look like? You know? And so we're planning this continuity, and we waited on that even until we could figure out how will this fit in our lives. So the challenges we're looking at is like all of a sudden... I'd say all of a sudden, and who knows? Is it COVID? Is it just the time of year? Did our sales go like this because it was the end of the year, beginning of the year? People are getting into planning. There's no crystal ball. But when you start looking at the return on the ad spend, and we're spending all this time like trying to work with this agency and change the creative, or do we need to do different targeting? But yet, this call, we got a lot of clarity that it's not, we're acquiring customers at a profit. Okay, so that's not a bad thing. But the truth is, like at the price point we have, how scalable is this with just dumping more money into traffic, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like, do we want to spend 50000 to make 45000 I mean, we could, right? And 
when I say these numbers, I want people to understand that we have not put money out of our pockets for this. This planner has funded itself. We make money, we put it back in. We make, we did not really take any money till last fall and it was a little bit. And then we waited and we started taking again after the first of the year. And we're both like, we need to make money off this thing more now, right? It's making money. So looking at optimizing that back end and taking something where it's a high ticket, a coaching or a consulting or a mastermind or something to that effect, because we've built up the audience, we've got the testimonials, we've got the relationships. And so it helped us because we really got clear on, let's keep this simple. And also saying, okay, well, if we're just going to keep managing our ads, because at one point we had said, should we turn these off? And I'm like, no, as long as we're not losing money, we are acquiring leads and customers. Like people have taken out their wallet and voted. (laughs) Right. And so it's not just a lead. And so I'm like, no, what else can we give them? What else do we have to offer that will provide value that solves their problem at a better price point? We get a better return. And so it was like, we were really looking at this, like, just a massive ad problem, massive frustration. And hear my heart, Jason, like we haven't done YouTube ads. We haven't done LinkedIn ads. We're literally Facebook and Instagram, but it's like, where can we get more leverage from the database of quality customers we've already built? Like, you know, it doesn't take a ton to get a return on, I mean, you've got an email list of 8,200 people. It's like, well, if you can get 10 to pay you three grand, is that a good return? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's really been this big epiphany, this big sort of aha that we literally have just had looking at where can we provide better value, get a better return on our time and energy than chasing numbers with an ad agency where we can manage that ourselves if it's just we're, we're acquiring at a profit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's a good way to look at things too. I mean, for a lot of the audience, I mean, you're getting leads in the door whether or not you recognize them as leads or not. You make a connection, you get an email address. You may not turn them into a client or a customer at this point in time, but right. you don't know what six months later happens if you keep in contact with them. You don't know a year from now. I can't tell you how many times I've had customers over the past decade. Now, I've been in business that long, right? It's 2010. How many customers later on have come back saying, hey, look, I don't know if you remember, but we had a conversation a number of months Mm -hmm. ago. And yes, I do remember. It's not like- (laughs) I'm not talking to 30 people a day, but thank you. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. But we're ready now, right? Or we we need this thing, or can you do this thing? We have this idea, we wanna flesh it out with you, right? And so just being able to stay in contact in a long-term play, right? means that you have that asset coming to you later on. There's more of a potential for that to happen later. I mean, look, they say that you have a a finite window from the time somebody Mm -hmm. meets you to the time that to buy, right? And there's that emotional endorphin rush there for the shiny object syndrome. But 85% of people will buy from you 90 days and more. Right. So you have to earn that trust factor sort of recently. So you, you'll earn that trust factor if you solve an immediate problem. Right. So if you give them a quick win or even if it's a, a low end purchase, right, sub $100 purchase or something like that, then that's a quick win. And they'll carry on, especially if you over deliver. Yeah. Right? Like, it, I mean, there's so many times where you could just do follow ups 
be email, like just communicate that like, look, I, I've bought many things from D to C brands and had no idea where anything was. All of a sudden the thing just oh, yeah. shows up at my door. I didn't get any shipping notifications or anything, especially now with the COVID thing. Now I'll tell you this much. There are other brands that do an exceptional job. And that's why I love dissecting those kind of D to C brands, right? Like, so mm -hmm. when whole thing COVID happened, oh, yeah. everybody from their CEO had to tell you what they were doing, right? Like in the email, oh, geez, I couldn't even stand it anymore. But there was a couple of brands that only told me when I bought something from them. Yeah. And they were saying, hey, we're delayed on shipping because of what we're doing. Right. And kind of outlining that stuff. So just that email correspondence goes a long way to create that longer term lifetime value for a customer. And I think it's super smart that you're looking into that asset that you have now rather than, hey, our ads are returning us money, but it's just kind of like an inching game. Right. And so, yeah, I think that's it's good to look at the numbers in that way. But also to analyze the other aspects of the business that you have. Exactly. And Jody is very diligent. I mean, in terms of data and tracking, and we're looking at this stuff, but really, I mean, and none of this is new, honestly, like, yes, we need a bigger backend and we knew that and continuity is gold. At the same time, you have to be really clear on like, you've got two little kids, like how much more demanding can you give up your time in certain elements? Right. And we're on the opposite spectrum, but I'm like, I like my life. Like I do not want to be on the phone for eight hours, five days a week. I would lose my mind. And so it's like, what can we deliver that is super valuable and supports our customers on their journey? Like that's a whole other conversation, right? Like meeting customers where they're at. And you and I have talked about this. And so for us, it's like, okay, let's dial in that continued conversation with people who have already said they're interested, looking at the lifetime value. And none of this stuff is new, but it was really helpful to get an outside perspective from someone who says, well, you're already doing this. I wouldn't stress over your ads. I would simply do this. And it's like, okay, let's do this. Okay, <laughs> and yeah. I'm going to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. And to that point, it's like you were saying before, like you just have to take action and do the work, right? Like, so you fully, mm -hmm. like you said, Hey, we did Kickstarter. We totally funded this thing. The ball is rolling. We're not in a red but we're not where we want to be, but we're doing something. I want to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're both like, this is a lot of work. We want to get paid again. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, like you said, you do have to do the work and put the effort in and it's a learning curve. It's evolving. It's always like, it's not, hey, you're not going to be living on a yacht in a beach or wherever on Instagram, like, you know, the kids do these days. And, uh -oh. you know, I had a great conversation with Miles Beckler on the show where he was like, look, this is 17 years of online experience that yeah. now I finally started to be able to get the awareness of who I am and so on and so forth. So you do have to put in the work. So uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Before I let you go, What's up next with the next six, 12 months? Yeah, so I'm excited because I'm sort of doing a reboot is what I'm calling it of my personal brand and even the Facebook group. Jody's going to like officially join me as, so it'll be more like our group now. You know, so I'm rebooting the podcast because like I said, losing my mom, I just was like, 
I don't want to talk about marketing to anybody. And so I'm excited. I definitely like I am. I've got a call with a friend next week who's written a couple books. I've got a book in my mind. Hmm. And so, and it's really, it's, you know, my other hashtag just show up. Like, I feel like I'm ready. Someone had asked me because I had said months ago, like, oh, the live streaming and stuff. And then they were like, but then they saw our live stream. And I said, I, it, the time is ready. Like, I'm right. I feel good to get back on the horse sort of again, so to speak. And having this success with the planner has given me a validation and like an extra confidence boost for lack of a better explanation. Um, I feel super grounded with where I'm going. So brand reboot. And I've got a couple courses through that brand, but like it can't all come out at once. So like I, I'm really enjoying this. Look how wise I am. I'm patient. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to continue to deploy that for lack of a better word. That's awesome. I wish I could be more patient. You have to be sometimes. You're just like, look, there's only so many hours in a day. Yeah. There's only so much energy that I have. I'm not mm-hmm. 20 anymore. <laughs> so it's like, it's funny oh too, because there are times. I can't tell you how many times I've been like working here. I'm like, okay, well, it's getting four o'clock or five o'clock and go have dinner with the family or whatever. And we'll wind down the day. And then when everybody goes to bed, I'll ramp up out and do another hour or two of work. Never happens. <laughs> Never happens. I'm like, no, I just pull out the laptop and I'm like, all right, you've trolled and shopped. So like, maybe just put the laptop away. Like you're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't even take the laptop off the desk. It's still plugged in. And now I've even got the new one where there's only one wire. So it's like, there's really no excuse for me not to, but it's just, yep. I just don't have the energy anymore. So time your focus being wise. I like that. And it's supposed to be fun. I'm just going to reiterate that to everybody. If you're not having fun, look at how you're doing business because I don't know. We are here in this lifetime on this once, at least mm-hmm. reincarnation. We won't get into extra lives, <laughs> but make the most of it. Like life is short. I mean, I may as well get a job with benefits if I'm not having fun doing this. Right. 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 I love that. Yeah. And the perfect way to, to end this. Thank you so much, Kim, for coming on, sharing your wisdom, sharing your stories with us. Where can folks reach out and say thanks? Thank you for having me, Jason. Contentcreatorsplanner.com or kimdoyle.com. And that's D-O-Y-A-L.com. Awesome. And we'll put all of those in the show notes, of course. Again, Kim, thank you very much. And for everyone listening, until next time, short time to live in the feast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I can speak for both Kim and myself by saying that we'd love to hear the one takeaway that you got from this episode. I mean, this was a large episode. (laughs) There were stories, there was emotion, there was strategies, there was tactics. We would love to hear just one takeaway. It's super simple. In your podcast app right now, go ahead and drop a comment or a review, whatever their term is for doing so or go ahead and share it in a tweet and tag me at res on twitter don't forget to hit that subscribe button as well so that you'll be the first to listen in next week when we dive into another success story on building your business until then it's your time to live in the feast